filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Uh, We can't proceed unless I ask you about this. Okay. Uh, You posted on Instagram uh, from a place called Guar Bar. uh, Yes, I did. I have a lot of questions. I have a picture in my mind of what Guar Bar is, you being from Richmond. It's probably correct. Um, But I want to know from you, a person who's been to Guar Bar, what is Guar Bar? I mean, Guar Bar is a bar created by the members of guar and it has uh i mean it's just that it's like it's like one of the members of guar uh in his side gig he's a chef and he is the the the, he became the food man for guar bar one of the other members of guar is apparently an electrician and he has like done electrical work for one of my friend's houses just because like that's his day job when he's not doing guar stuff um but yeah guar bar is great it's um it's actually very vegan friendly um because richmond tries to be pretty vegan friendly Mm because richmond is uh uh, hipster arty like that um so yeah a lot of their things you can get with vegan options um but yeah they have good tots they have like uh uh, bloody heads and bloody uh uh, monster decor all throughout the the establishment um yeah just like think of guar and think of them creating a bar and and that's the tweet yeah uh i'm glad that no one like heaved uh fake bodily fluids on you because that is a thing no yes if you go to a guar it could it could it's a restaurant though if they're serving food uh there's like a a a whole food safety thing uh yes yes hopefully precludes guar bar and all other establishments frankly from uh heaving any liquids at you um i feel like that's that's only that's only at guar that's only at guar shows not yes. at guar bar uh i enjoyed myself a uh the champagne of beers at oh, uh guar bar very nice uh, i also have um a, uh you could get uh cans of old milwaukee okay at guar bar which i think is very appropriate um <laughs> they had some craft beers too which i mean sure. you're gonna offer some these. craft beers i mean I, I got a craft beer first but then i was like F it. Let me get a effing uh, uh, champagne of beers. Yeah. Are, are they serving these in the, the bottle? Uh, I always enjoyed the shape of the bottle. Of, no, no, no. Uh, these are tall boys. These, no, oh, these are tall, oh, tall Even better. Even better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, no, the number one <laughs> form of beer is tall boys. Everyone knows that. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. These are 16-ounce tall boys. Nice. Uh, Gorbar, uh, maybe maybe the best place in all of Virginia, uh, it sounds I like. I mean, it, it, like... It does remind me a lot of, um, like, 10, 15 years ago, Richmond. It's it's still, it's mm-hmm. like a throwback 
which is wild to say, but it, it's like, there's not a lot of places, like there used to be a lot of places like that in Richmond and there aren't a lot of places like that in Richmond anymore. So right. if you come down here, go to Guar Bar. They, yeah. have good, they, have, they have great tots. So get the tots. There you go. Uh, guar Guar, welcome tots. Uh, this is uh, Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Uh, I've surprised Ben uh, by yep, deviating yep, yep. from our normal, uh, extremely abstract and hard to explain opening when we don't have Adam. Because we don't have Adam. Uh, you've just got, no. it's me, Jason, and, and Ben who just said no. And that's it. We don't have anyone else. We don't have a guest. Uh, Adam has been waylaid by the U.S. Congress uh, and their doings. Um, ben and I, I mean, at times have been waylaid by Congress as well, but on this we're not, particular we're not moment, as, we're not. We're not as directly subjected to their whims as yes. Adam is. Yes. Uh, when they do stuff, it doesn't result in a big stack of papers. Uh, I am imagining that pre-COVID, uh, if this happened, and Adam can correct us uh, later if he remembers. No, he won't. But I imagine no, he won't. like a giant, like a phone book size stack of papers being deposited on Adam's desk. Um, or maybe falling from above. Maybe they've got like a pneumatic tube system. Um, and, and the papers just thump down uh, dramatically on his desk and he has to sort yeah, through them. I can um, see that. That's what I want it to be. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, this is a DC United podcast. Uh, I think we should probably mention that aspect of it. Um, we have a win and a future game, so we don't know the result of it yet uh, to talk about. Or do we? I, I don't. I, I don't know the result of the. I, I know it's going to be unpleasant because I've seen the weather <laughs> forecast, um, but I don't. And know you've more seen than the that. Chicago Fire. And I have seen the Chicago Fire, which uh, we will be talking exactly about that. I just finished watching the Chicago Fire, in fact. Uh, but before we get to any of the soccer stuff, and now that we've gotten Guarbar out of the way, Ben, what are you drinking? Uh, right now, I'm just drinking a bourbon and Coke. Um, I got all of my uh, 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 Guarbar beers out of the way this weekend. We went to Guarbar because we were uh, uh, doing our entire throwback weekend uh, mm -hmm. because uh, uh, my wife and I were able to have uh, one single night away from our child. And uh, we went and did a whole throwback thing and saw uh, Coheed and Cambria uh, oh. that night. So we just did an entire uh, early 2000s throwback. Yeah, it's, um, it's 2005 uh, right. for, for, for the both of you, for the city of Richmond briefly. Yes, exactly. At least one uh, in one small place. Yes, <laughs> but no, like Richmond loves Coheed and Cambria. It it that show sold out months ago, and it was a yeah. just like wild not not wild in the sense that it was like uh, uh, violent or anything. It was wild in just the sense that like everyone was so amped for that show, and like. I'm not a huge Coheed and Cambria fan. I'm not like, but like just being there, the vibe was just like so awesome that I had a great time. Uh, but yeah, everyone was just like super vibing it. And so, yeah. Nice. What uh, are you drinking, Jason? Uh, so I guess speaking of um, bands connected to alcohol, uh, I have an Ashland beer company, uh, Zarface lager beer. Uh, Zarface. I'm holding the can up for Ben. You guys won't be able to see yeah. it. I'm actually going the wrong way with it, which is not helpful. 
Um, I mean, that, that, that face looks Guar-esque. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Uh, so Zarface is a rap group. Uh, it's the band 7L and, and Esoteric combined with uh, Inspector Deck from uh, the Wu-Tang Clan have been putting out, I, I think they're on like six or seven albums. Like very quietly, they've just been steadily putting out uh, great hip-hop if you are my age. Um if you want if you want your hip hop to sound like 1995 they're yep. definitely for you um but uh yeah i'm drinking uh, they did a as is a popular thing to do now um they connected with uh, aslan and did a uh they did a it's like an american lager so we're talking about a high life style beer um this is better than I, high life aslan's a, a a virginia company right they are uh they are uh, and this is, in fact, the only can of this beer that I have seen in person. Um, I was just at the liquor store looking around for something and wasn't really finding it in the six packs and was getting kind of impatient. So I went to the fridge where they keep their singles and some of their um, stranger stuff. And I hunted around for a bit and there was this one can of Zarface in the back, which I had to get. Um, it's pretty good. I, I wish this were summertime for it. It's a summertime beer, mm, and we're having gotcha. winter that is not summertime uh, beer weather. Especially on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. Like, last weekend, uh, I actually met a friend for beers in Annapolis at Forward Brewing, since I'm now just throwing out recommendations left and right. Um, but they've got a big outdoor area, and it was nice out. I was in short I sleeves. I, I wore shorts this weekend. I if I if I so I have my shorts in a uh, plastic bin, and I was like, oh, if I take them out, they're going to smell like plastic. It's going to bother me. I'll just wear jeans and be a little warmer than I want to be. But I could have worn shorts to this thing. My friend did. Yeah. Uh, he was wearing shorts. Um, and now we're talking about in the future on this show a soccer game that is going to be played at like I don't know twenty eight degrees uh, with wind. Don't don't. Don't wear shorts this yeah, Saturday. Yeah, uh, unless you are required by the laws of the game. Um, if you're playing in the game, then wear shorts because you have to. Uh, but yeah, everyone else, if you're just going to be in the stands, don't wear shorts. Um, that's a good. Yeah. That's a good piece of advice. Uh, look out for yourself, uh, DC United fans. But before we get to that, we do have a game we know the result of. Uh, DC defeated. Uh, oh. DC took the long way to defeat FC Cincinnati, I think it's fair to say. DC did something. Yeah, they lost Julian Gressel just for halftime. He had a uh, a hip injury that thankfully sounds like it's not going to keep him out uh, for, for any real amount of time. Uh, if you want to know what happened on that show, don't be like me and ask him directly what happened because he talked about it on his podcast, uh, Z Soccer Pod, which is actually if anything, like the number one podcast to listen to, because him and Fabian Herbers from Chicago. Um, so if this of all games, you should be listening to that. Um, but he talked about that. He won't be out. It sounds like he's going to be just fine for this game. Um, they then lost Moses Nyaman to an 80 minute red card that took a VAR uh, check to happen. And yet, because FC Cincinnati is deeply and thoroughly cursed in every possible way, DC United won the game. It might have been too much chili. Uh, DC United won the game on a 98th minute penalty kick that also came from VAR. Ola Kamara 
uh, from the spot. DC now two for two on penalties already. We're on track for a record-breaking season of penalty kicks. Um, I think Matt Doyle already brought that up as just a thing that he's puzzled by. The fact that DC, I, I think he said that DC's had 12 penalties since Lozada took over and they've only conceded two. Um, that's not normal. I mean, but also, like, I feel like the maximum overdrive system is inclined to create more penalties than sure, an average uh, soccer system. It is. It's it's more that they haven't conceded more as well. That's maybe the surprise. Um, I mean, I mean, uh, um, Brendan Hines Ike was trying. Yeah, there were some dicey moments in this game. Uh, Cincinnati. <laughs> I think they came away from this game feeling deeply unlucky, maybe more unlucky than they should have. I think this game is kind of colored by the fact that the expectations for them are so low. Uh, so if they do anything even decent, you tend to think it's a little better than it actually was. And by the same token, yeah. you, expect, you expect more from DC, and the fact that they were a little below par makes it feel like they were bad. Um, right, well, and it's not even just like, below par for FC Cincinnati. It's like, if they do anything that's not, if, if they are just bad instead of the worst team in MLS history, then right. it seems like a step up. Yes. And for them coming from losing five, nothing to Austin. Um, this was that for them. Uh, this was, this represents the step up from them. Um, so Ben, I, I guess let's start here. What is just your number one reaction to this game? Other than the obvious, uh, too much chili curse of Cincinnati. I mean, my main reaction is similar to what my main reaction was for the first game is I'm still concerned about the central midfield. And I'm now doubly concerned that Mo since Moses Nyman will be out for the next game. Um, but they didn't do anything to replace Felipe or Junior Moreno. And it's showing. Um, Moses Nyman is, is a good player. He'll, he'll evolve into a, I, I think he'll evolve into a very good player, but, um, it's noticeable that the team is not playing through the midfield. They're not able to spring balls through the midfield like they were last year. Um, and it, they don't have a lot there right now. And so it's going to be questionable how they how they muddle through the rest of this uh uh the next month or so uh i know uh Hernan losada wanted to sign another central midfielder he made that very clear in some of his comments and i mean maybe uh uh sofian i cannot pronounce his last name jafal yes jafal maybe he'll he's showed promise and uh he may step in and and do some good things but they still need one or two more players in the central midfield and i think it shows that they're not able to to play that way it takes it takes a huge key out of their attack and if they're just going down the the uh the flanks it, they become easier to defend against than if they have multiple vectors that uh, other teams have to defend. Yeah, there does seem to be, uh, uh, I think, a, a reason to have at least some concern about the midfield um, at this point. You've got um, this past week, 
you know, Drew Skundrich, more of a number eight. Moses Nyman, in my opinion, is is more of a number eight um, at this yeah. point in his career. Both of them, to me, are trying. They're trying to be something yeah. that they are not. Um, and that's because Russell Knauss is injured. According to Losada, it's still up in the air how much he's going to be able to play. Basically, he said that Thursday and Friday's training sessions are going to really determine it. It's kind of an unknown at this point. Um, I feel like we should all expect Jafal to get the start at Nyman's spot. That also means that if Jeremy Garay, it sounded like Jeremy Garay is all right. Um, he was listed as out with an ankle injury. Um, but if he's available for this game for DC, he's going to be in uniform, you'd have to think, because right. if Canals, let's say Canals can only play 15 minutes, that would still be possibly an earlier return than a lot of us expected. Um, and if he's only got 15 and you need a central midfielder, you end up into some real interesting territory where you're having to move Andy Nahar out of the back line, most likely, um, which is not, you know, not the it's idea. Very bad. Um, it's yeah. it's not the end of the world, but it's definitely not what you want. This team is at its best when he's back there, um, but they don't have too many other options. So that's a a pretty reasonable thing to be concerned about going, you know, and in both directions as well. Um, as you said. Uh, there is a little bit of a lack of a cutting edge in that area of the field. Yeah. Um, I, I think DC did a smart thing at halftime when Julian Gressel came out to switch to a four-two-three-one, but in in central midfield, what that meant was it wasn't so much about being better going forward. It was let's clarify the roles so that Edison Flores is in this space um, to help you know, defend this space between the lines so that Cincinnati isn't having as many looks in transition. Um, so it wasn't a playmaking thing. It wasn't a creativity right. thing. It was a defensive structure. Right. Um, and it didn't, it didn't free him to do anything right. more going forward. And, and he didn't really do very much. He had the, right. the, the miss in the first half that he, he should do better with. Um, but that was about it. Um, yeah. from Edison Flores, which is not really ideal. I I had hoped uh, we're, come, we're yeah we're, we're we're starting to come into like really bad vibes for Edison Flores because like this is supposed to be like every year has been supposed to be his year but like this is his last chance year and and the play with Peru had been more promising um, right so hopefully it's coming uh, it just I, I feel like I'm not seeing the threat that it might show up um, so it would no. be kind of sudden. Um, but in any case, um, you know, the impressions people have of this game was were obviously a decent amount of luck from DC, though, you know, Jeff Cameron not being so good, uh, it turns out not too big of a stunner, uh, I think for any of us. Um, well, can, but- can I, can I get to my, my double, uh, love of Jeff Cameron failing or should I wait? Sure. I thought you were going to say double whammy, but if this is a double love, then I'll allow I mean, it. it's a double love of it's a double whammy of Jeff Cameron failure. So okay. depending on which side you're on, that's either love or not love. Okay. Um, but I, I just, if anybody had to have the hand, the obvious handball, the obvious handling to lead to the uh, penalty. I'm so happy it was Jeff Cameron because he's not a good dude. 
don't like him. And also, after that, uh, he had an opportunity to tie the game mere seconds later. Yeah. And and then Bill Hamid just shut him down so completely doing Bill Hamid things and just like the the the, the highs and the lows like back to back is just like Yes. I'm glad all of that happened to Jeff Cameron because I don't like him. By the way, Bill Hamid didn't make MLS team of the week. Uh don't really know how that could have been possible. I, no, no, I have no idea. Because I, as as much as it's not great to need your goalkeeper to be team of the week against FC Cincinnati, DC United, especially had making Hamid. a ninety ninth minute save. Yes, and that was his best save. Um, yeah, too. that was the most difficult one. Um, so you know, two. That's two. You know, last week we said, or at least I said that I thought. He had a good game, but I didn't think it was team of the week. I, I was surprised that it made team of the week. I figured somebody else would have had more work to do. Um, this week, though, I was surprised he didn't make it because I can't imagine he he didn't he wasn't the best goalkeeper in the league this week. Um, right. So that's uh, I don't know I don't know what to make of that other than that maybe maybe voting is not ideal. Um, now, you know, on this game. We have we've we've talked a lot we and we'll continue to talk a lot about expected goals and there is it, it there's a little bit of a flaw in reviewing a single game based on expected goals it's not a great it's a it's a rough tool for single games um, United was ahead in this game I think maybe fans don't necessarily realize that the the reaction was that it was luckier than it was DC actually according to MLS's model had two to Cincinnati's one point six it's just that. DC has a penalty kick in there, um, and that's where a, about 0.79 of their two come from is that penalty kick right. in the 98th minute. Um, I will say, though, that if we if we want to play that game, Cincinnati's got one that the MLS expected goals model, it's, it's Dom Baji has a chance in the 43rd minute um, that Hamid, uh, or, or that beat Hamid but skipped wide, that the expected goals model from MLS has as nearly as valuable as a penalty kick. Um, and no. I don't understand that one. There's, there are a couple in there that I didn't really understand. They also, it, the model does not rate Griffin Yow's shot towards an empty net very highly. Um, be, I guess right. because of the distance to goal, um, it doesn't take into account the fact that the goalkeeper is on the ground and out of the frame. Um which is maybe a problem that these models are, well, they're going to continue to sharpen them. Uh, anyone that's doing these uh, that is credible uh, is trying to improve these models all the time. And this is the, one of the things, the position of opposition players as part of it. Anyway. Well, um, Jason, what if we yeah. just fed a machine learning model, uh, all of the uh, ever MLS uh, games and let them announce an MLS game? Uh, I feel like we would we would have that that machine learning model would say something terrible very quickly. Um, would it basically have... be Shep Mass? Would it basically be Shep Messing? Uh, no, I, I feel like it would be more like um, I, I don't know, like like some sort of cursed prank call show from the nineties, uh, where some the, eventually one of the two. I, I'm assuming you're imagining like a color commentator as well as a play by play guy. Um, oh, of course. And one of those two would say something that could never be taken back, and and would bring the league into disrepute. Um, so, 
that would be our problem would be machine learning uh, exposing the biases uh, and failings of humans once again, um, because we're always going to end up in that boat uh, in our future dystopia. <laughs> but uh, yeah. sticking sticking to the things we we do know about, um, Ben, I know I talked about um, Michael Estrada last week. I said, you know, in that first game, good that he scored, not enough involvement in the game not very many passes, no defensive actions, just not a lot of definable stuff for for us to talk about. In this game, he had one more pass attempt um, and just as many defensive actions, uh, one fewer dribble. So basically kind of the same game. Um, So I want to put this question to you. Um, Are you leaning towards possibly starting Ola Kamara, who, again, was more busy, had four shots to Michael Estrada zero in this game, uh, despite playing 50% less minutes, fewer minutes, less minutes, fewer. <laughs> yeah, I think you, I think Ola Kamara deserves it at this point. I mean, um, I think Michael Estrada is a good candidate to start when uh Hernan Losada has like the team he wants if he has if he has the midfield he wants and the wing backs he wants and all of that if everything is clicking i think michael estrada is probably a great fit for that but we don't have that right now and we need the strikers to be more participatory in everything else that the team is doing and so i think right now Ola Kamara definitely deserves a start. He proved it last year with um, what he did throughout the entire year, all the goals he scored. Uh, I know the rumors were that they were trying to move him along this year, but I, but that was more of a, from the rumors we've heard, that's more of a uh, a cap hit reason and not necessarily a uh, a play reason. Maybe they want to move him along to sign somebody else instead, but while you still have him, I think he fits the current team's situation right now uh, a little better. So you have to give him a start. And like, if you take him off in the 55th, 60th minute, give uh, Michael Estrada 30, 35 minutes. I mean, they're both still getting long runouts and getting to prove what they do. Um, but I feel like at this point you got to you got to switch it up a little bit and see what uh Kamara can do from the start. Yeah, I think it's a, it's it's a tough decision and I'm leaning towards you know, especially the fact that DC hasn't started these games particularly fast, which we got used right. to last year. Now, I don't want to say that they were slow in this game because I think their two best chances or three best chances uh came pretty early until the penalty kick. There's Brad Smith um getting in right. behind there's Griffin Yao's follow-up to that chance uh, that Tyler Blackett yes. did really well to prevent being a goal, uh, which, by the way, ruined my prediction pregame that I went on the record with uh, by saying that I thought Griffin Yao was going to score in the game. And I thought as he was lining up for that, I was like, see, I'm a genius. And then, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, saw other soccer players were like, well, hold on a second. I can do something about this. Um, and, and then the Edison Flores chance we, we talked about earlier. 
Um, right. So they did have the better of the early exchanges, but it's not. Then the it just thing. dried up. Yeah, and it's also not the sort of uh, furious starts that we we got used to last year. That seemed like every week we were seeing, you know, DC wasn't just starting fast; they were jumping all over the other team, and that hasn't been there. And so, on one hand, I think if you bring Kamara in at the start, you're gonna you're more likely to get that than out of Estrada. On the other hand, there is the like, how valuable are these minutes for Estrada in terms of learning how to play this style, learning how to play with these teammates? Um, so well, it is a difficult one for sure. Well, and also you're missing the 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 never stop uh, uh, run 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 forever uh, uh, mindset of a Paul Ariola because you don't have mm-hmm. him anymore, and he was a large part of that. Uh, last year's success was that he could just press everybody forever, and uh, the the mistakes he he created led to opportunities for everybody else. So they also need somebody like that. Uh, Flores isn't that kind of player. He right. has other talents, but he's not that kind of player. Uh, neither is Estrada. Neither is Olukamara. Uh, uh So we'll see. Maybe is Taxi Fuentes that kind of player? We don't know yet. Um, but we're going to have to, uh, not we, uh, Losada is going to have to figure out, um, how to make all of those, uh, uh, attacking players work for the system that did so well last year. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think the team expects taxi to be that guy. Uh, I will say that. Um, yeah. but you know, that's still an up in the air situation. It seems like every day. There's a new article from somewhere in Austria about maybe he's going to leave soon. We, we don't know. Um, right. By the way, if you haven't been paying attention on this one, um, Rapid Vienna is out of the Europa uh, Conference League, which is a tournament that exists uh, for reasons that are unclear. Um, they're out. They got eliminated by Vitesse uh, from the Netherlands. So that aspect is gone. So now it's really down right. to um, can dc and rapid vienna dc very insistent that um they want to make that happen if you read the interview that we did with uh, lucy rushton on the site um that comes up is a specific question about that that she says very clearly yes they're interested in bringing him in before the transfer window opens up if they can reach a deal they will um so maybe that happens soon uh and it sounds like his background is all about playing in all of these different pressing styles. So the uptake shouldn't be that long once he gets here. Um, but he's not here yet. Um, so they've, they got to find a way to make do in the meantime. Um, speaking of making do, um, this was a game where DC had to change formations. Uh, we talked about it a little bit just a second ago about the midfield. Um, DC switched to a 4-2-3-1. Julian Gressel came out. Adrian Perez came in, but instead of just being a wingback, uh, they switched into a back four. They moved Andy Nahar to a traditional right back role. Brad Smith was a left back. Uh, Griffin Yao and Perez were your your wingers uh, to either side of, of Edison Flores. Um, ben, I'm, I'm curious. I, I know we're not going to see 4-2-3-1 as like the go-to all, all that often, it, it seems like. But I'm curious if you felt like DC looked comfortable enough for us to maybe think of this as 
something we might see from time to time? Or was this maybe a like, well, it worked on the day, but I'd rather not see it again if I don't have to? I mean, I think it is a case of it worked fine enough that uh, I'm fine with seeing it until more signings happen whenever more signings are available. Because again, we are, the, the team is still very low on the number of players they have uh, on the active roster. Um, this has been a, 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 a hobby horse that we have been uh, up in arms about for years on this podcast and on this website is that we wish that DC United would sign uh, closer to the maximum amount of players. Um, it's a little different now with Loudon, but they need more uh, um, DC United potential starters on this team, difference makers on this team. And so, yes, this this formation, uh, the 4-2-3-1 is... It's it's a good uh, tool to have in the bag for uh, right now, but they need to continue to uh, sign more players that fit uh, Losada's uh, uh, three back style, so they they that so they can continue to build that up. Um, but until they do so, uh, yes, you need to have this as as a backup option. Yeah, I thought uh, as it, it was an interesting choice to address the fact that Cincinnati had changed their formation. They were playing with a um, what looked on paper like a back five, but really played as a three, four, one, two. They had um, a, a really aggressive posture in this game. This is kind of maybe part of Pat Noonan's, you know, let's do away with the past Cincinnati teams that would have come into this game more cautiously. Um which is something they need. This is not a Cincinnati podcast. That's just me having watched enough MLS to be like, yeah, that's one yeah. thing they do need is for someone to believe in them. Um, don't but, don't don't come don't come into these games with a big chili belly. You got to be ready to play. That's right. You you can't like it's just not good pregame food. However you feel right. about chili, it's not pregame food. Correct. Um, but yeah, uh, it was an interesting way to address the fact that you know if Cincinnati's going to come out with three center backs on the day um, and, and try and deal with DC by changing their formation. You can, you, last year, DC faced this a lot. Teams would come in and change their formation and DC was very stubborn. Um, Losada was like, we're going to play our way. We're going to stick to our guns. Um, and this was a situation and maybe this is a little like, well, Gressel's out as well. How am I going to deal with that? Um, but by flipping the formation, what he did was, first of all, all of a sudden now Cincinnati's got three defenders who are only dealing with Estrada. They're engaged against it's three on one, which is a waste of resources. You don't need three on one. Um, now you're, you're addressing the wing back situation, which was one on one on both sides. Now you're saying, well, now we've got a two on one on both flanks. So now let's push the game wide. Let's just repeatedly play these early balls out wide where we're going to have a two on one, even if, um, Adrian Perez isn't winning the header uh, out on the wing. If we, we play that long ball to him, who's going to be there? Who's mo- who's most likely to reach that second ball? It's Brad Smith, who actually got more involved as the game went on, I think, in this formation. Um, so if teams want to play, 
if teams want to adjust to DC by playing a three or a five in the back, then maybe this is something where D- this is how DC can respond if if plan A isn't working. Um, so I, I think it's going to be that kind of thing. It's not going to be something we see a lot of, but it might be something we see from time to time, especially if Julian Gressel is somehow not available or needs to be rested, things like that. Um, yeah. But a, a creative solution, I think, um, not a solution that I thought we were going to get. Um, I, I kind of thought it would be Chris Odoyachem coming in and either Nahar would move up or Odoyachem would play right wing back and that would be that. Um, so Lazada got out of the box. Um, and I think he he said he he was pretty clear after the game that he felt this this worked. And I think I agree. Um, I, I will say that DC didn't create in retrospect as much as I thought they did. Um, but some of that is like they got into a good position, but then didn't turn it into a chance. Um, they had the opportunity to create an opportunity that they wasted the, that first part. Um, right. Whereas Cincinnati did take more shots, but a lot of them are not very good shots. Um, they're low quality opportunities that, you know, these shots from outside the box, but out on the wing, like out on the edge of the box on the side, uh, that kind of shot, those don't really go in very much. Um, those are, you know, even when, Dom Bodges getting full power on them. Bill Hamid knows how to deal with those. There's not a, really a, a big challenge. So it was a little bit of a mixed bag, but uh, I think in in the circumstance, I'm not sure what else DC could have done that would have been better given the performances they got on the day. Um, so yeah, that, that was an interesting thing that they're probably not going to need this weekend against a resolute 4-2-3-1 team in the Chicago Fire, who we'll talk about in just a second. This is Filibuster. All right. Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, if you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper and you're dealing with a, a non-compete clause or, or something to, to that effect. If you, uh, if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government, call the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, if you want a free consultation, tell them we sent you. Go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. segment of the podcast because jason has actually watched the chicago fire play soccer games if that's what you would call what the chicago fire does i don't know if i would um but dc united plays them this weekend so i guess we have to talk about them uh jason what are they doing this year they're not fluid and shitty like they were last year what what are they doing this year 
Yeah. Uh, so last year's team, as you might remember, uh, Chicago loved to play like really fluid, really expansive soccer. They wanted to put on a show and usually they would do so for a little while. Uh, there'd be a stretch of a game where you're like, wow, these guys are actually pretty decent for, for the time being. And then inevitably they would do something just mind bogglingly stupid uh, and concede two goals. Uh, I, I think yeah. last year's, Last year, DC played at Chicago and were trailing two nothing. And I think me and Adam both said this on the show that it was like, yeah, but DC's probably going to get the equalizer, right? Um, and sure enough, <laughs> in the final ten minutes, they came back from two goals down to to equalize because Chicago was just totally incapable of seeing games out and just doing any of the, they just didn't even have interest in doing the little things that you need to do to make results happen um, this year. Uh, th- this cost people their jobs. Uh, big surprise. If you do that for enough seasons <laughs> in a row, you don't get to keep coaching in the league. Um, they brought in Ezra Hendrickson uh, playing the same formation. It's still 4-2-3-1, but it's very focused on being sturdy, uh, being, you know, rigid. They're not, there's not that fluidity. You're not going to see guys interchanging positions very much it's going to be very much like this is our team shape how it looks on the page is how it's going to look on the field um we don't want to do anything stupid we don't want to do anything self-destructive um we might be a little more boring as a result uh their game against orlando this weekend i think um i i can't remember who tweeted this it might be ben bayer uh it might be somebody else but uh, i did see a tweet that said that this was the third lowest combined expected goals in one game in MLS in the last like seven or eight years. Um, The the total expected goals was 0.6 between the two teams. Um, But to pay respect to Chicago, Orlando had no shots on goal in this game. Um, They did have a goal called back on a uh, VAR that they overturned it. Um, They also had what looked to be a breakaway in stoppage time, which was very Chicago fire under uh, Rafa Vicky. Um, but we should never give any credit. We should never give any credit to Orlando. That's true. Uh, and, and Chicago very nearly gave them no shots. Uh, they had right. two recorded shot attempts uh, that were not, you know, called back for offside or what have you um, or handball uh, as it were. Um, but yeah, Chicago gave Orlando almost nothing in this game. Now, we've been on the other side of that where Orlando shows up in your stadium and also make sure that you don't do anything. Um, and that's why this game was so just lacking in chances. Um, but yeah, the, right now Chicago is very much a let's not screw this up. Um, they've got two draws, zero goals for zero goals against um, not many chances in either of their games, but also they're not giving up very much. So they're, they're yeah. boring, but they're not, so self-destructive and flimsy as they were in the past. Yeah. Well, and it seems like uh, it, it's interesting. Uh, we seem to be uh, DC United seems to be going up against um, all of the candidates that were rumored that DC United did not hire um, because uh, Pat Noonan was a, uh, a supposed uh, person who interviewed for the DC United job. Ezra Hendrickson was a person who uh, supposedly interviewed for the DC United job. Um, what do, what is what are what is Hendrickson doing 
for the Chicago Fire that is different from Erno Mosada, different from his predecessors? What is he choosing to do that um, makes his Chicago Fire different? Uh, so they remind me a little bit of when you watch Seattle uh, play, and he coached, uh, he was an assistant in Seattle. Right. When you watch Seattle play when they are maybe playing in some of these CCL games they've had in the past where they're like a little less concerned with um, being the most talented team on the field and hoping that that would lead them to victory, which is usually the way they go. Um, because this is not the Chicago doesn't have that level of talent. So it's very much about like, let's make sure our defensive shape is correct. Let's make sure our rotations are correct. So we're not getting um, caught out. We're not leaving gaps. Um they are willing to kind of push their fullbacks up um, into the attack when when the ball is well established. There, that's not happening early. It's happening later in the the fa- attacking phase. Um, so there's a little bit of like somewhere between Seattle's conservative days and also maybe a little Greg Berhalter with the crew. Um, in that you know those when those fullbacks are pushing up, the the wingers both tuck inside, so they want to create. That's where they want to overload you. Um, but that said, not a lot is happening for them so far because it's been, it, they clearly look like a team that's been spending a lot of time on how to defend, how to defend as a group. They're not going to high press very much. Um, they're not, they're not dropping off. They're not parking the bus, but they're definitely not looking for a transition game. So if this game plays out slowly, then Chicago's having a good day at the office, um, DC wants this game played at a hundred miles an hour and they right. want to drag Chicago into that kind of game because the, the fire, they have some, some things they're doing that are decent, but they also have some things that make that difficult. Like against Orlando, they were fouling Facundo Torres left and right. Anytime Orlando looked like they were going to break on the counter, someone fouled Torres. They actually, you had the rare occasion where, uh, the referee in that game stopped play to point at Torres after another foul and signal to all of Chicago's players. Like, I know you're doing this. Anyone who fouls this guy anymore is going to get booked because that you're fouling him uh, as a game plan. Um, so Andy Nahar, for example, is probably going to get chopped down a few times in this game. Chicago's not, they don't seem to have any compunction about if we need to put someone on the ground so rather than give up a transition, we're going to put them on the ground. So what you're saying that Chicago is going to do Chicago things to a certain extent, they, they look more intense, like under, under Vicky, this was something that was part of the problem was that they just didn't bring enough physicality um, for MLS. They seemed kind of soft um, when they got cards. It was more petulant stuff. It wasn't going in hard. It was going in late. Um, and this Chicago team under Ezra Hendrickson they went in hard uh, uh, against Orlando. They weren't late. It was hard more than late. Um, they were looking to commit fouls, to send a message, to throw Orlando off their game, um, to, to you know, let me take the chance and go in with a little extra on this shoulder-to-shoulder or this tackle. Maybe I get away with it, um, and maybe that breaks something loose. Um, but, yeah, the physicality is definitely higher than they've been in the past. Um, you see some guys that in the, it, under Vicky seem to be very 
you know, let hey, let's just go out there and play. Let's let's let our technical side and your technical side. Let's see who the best soccer players are, and let, then that'll be who wins the game. That's that's out. They're not doing that. Um, they are looking to go in hard and have a battle. Um, so it's kind of an old school mentality a little bit, which they probably needed because, as we've talked about, the previous Chicago teams just didn't have really any of the qualities you would want in an MLS team that you would expect to win things. Um, And not that this team, not that Chicago does that right now either, but at least they've shored up some of these um, deficiencies that were there in the past where you're like, ah, they're, they're going to screw it up. Um, Now they, they might not screw it up is the thing. You might have to go out and beat Chicago rather than having them hand it to you. I have one more on on the field question, uh, but first, how is Frank Klopas still an assistant coach for this team? That's a that's a good question because you know he was in the announcers booth for a while for them. He was part of their broadcast right. team. Um, after but he's, having but he's been an assistant head, coach now. He was a head coach, and then he moved for, to the broadcast. And he was bad, and then he became an assistant coach. And then the coach changed, and he stayed as an assistant. Um, and he was, and he was the head coach for the Football Boys, the Montreal Football Boys. He was uh, famously was doing his um, his hip thrust in the Champions League um, during that period of time. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I think this is maybe one of those. You know, Chicago is one of the many old MLS teams that have kind of gotten away from their old culture, and to a lesser extent than DC. That is the glory days of Chicago is the, the old Chicago fire is also when they won all their stuff. Um, And so I think this might be one of those kind of like, well, look, if we keep this guy around, at least we've got some link to the days that we won stuff. Um, We've got some link to 2011. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's a weird thing though, for sure. It's a weird thing for a guy that was the head coach of the team two years later be around as an assistant um but he's around he was giving um instructions to the subs he was he was the guy with the clipboard pointing the stuff and, and talking about this and that um so it's not a perfunctory role he's doing stuff that impacts yeah. the game like he's been trusted by Hendrickson to do some of the actual in-game coaching I don't know what his role at training is but um yeah he's not just there for show though it does kind of feel like Maybe he is, uh, but you can see him doing, he's doing stuff. Uh, he yeah. is involved. So coming back around to the field, um, the Chicago Fire have Casper Prozilko, who is a noted DC United killer. Mm-hmm. They have uh, Jordan Shakiri, noted Liverpool and Bayern Munich player, uh, noted... Uh, um, Ripped man. I, I think my main uh, reference for Shakiri is when he tore his shirt off and he was just like insanely ripped. Uh, I think it was in a World Cup. Um, just just insanely ripped small man. Yeah. Um, but now he plays uh, for the Chicago Fire. Um, are they are they going to be able to to? Uh, paper over the Chicago fireness of the Chicago fire? Are they going to be able to make them uh, uh, back to their glory days of the nineties at all? Or are they just uh, players who are playing in Chicago? Uh, I think it's a little more of the latter than the former. Um, 
I, but it's also, you can tell that they are kind of a work in progress um, as far as how they want to play with uh, Shibuko, especially. Um, I noticed watching the game that the Fire broadcast was like, oh, you know, Shibuko plays differently than Robert Barich, who is no longer with the Fire. Um, but the thing that they added was that they expected Shibuko to run in behind more than Barich did. And I was like, I would not look for runs in behind for Shibuko. He is a a target man. He's not immobile, but he's not really making that kind of run. Um, they still don't really have that, I feel like. I feel like that's something that is lacking with their current, at least with the, the starters they put out there. Um, but it, it also looks like the two of them are still trying to figure out how to work off of each other. Um, Shakiri had moments against Orlando where you could see Yes, he was not. That's kind of one of the things that came up when he signed was like, well, he was at Liverpool and Bayern, but he wasn't the star of those teams. It's like, well, sure, but not being the star at right. Liverpool and Bayern still means you're very good. Um, I mean, come on, like like uh, Christian Pulisic is not the star at Chelsea, but he's still right. the best player on the USMNT. Right. Um, and so you can see the ability is there, the invention, the the, you know, the the little tricks that guys like that are not only able to conceive of doing, but actually successfully pull off. Um, there were a few of those. Uh, Shakiri does, he's pretty famously likes to drift into that right half space. So he doesn't really, they've played him as their number 10, but he doesn't really stay in the middle. He likes to drift right of center, um, which means Shabilko kind of ends up a little tiny bit left of center just to make sure that they're not, standing in each other's way. Um, so that means that Shakiri is going to be closer to um, most likely even off the right, the right winger though. I feel like if you're going to change something, if you're Chicago and you're like, let me change one member of my front four, even off is the guy that's going to get dropped for somebody else. Um, but yeah, they're still very much in the figuring it out phase. Um, Shakiri, I think didn't arrive in, I, I want to say he didn't get to Chicago until pretty late in the preseason. Um, so they haven't had that many training sessions, much less games. Uh, he's fit, but he's not, uh, super familiar yet with the group. And that has shown a little bit. I think it also comes back to, this looks to me like a team that has been very much like, we need to be good at defending. We're going to spend all of our focus on defending right now because we can't be the team that just falls apart defensively over and over again, because that is not going to work. Um, so they do look like a team that hasn't had them that much time, which means it's a good time to play them, um, yeah. to get them early. Play them before it's, they figure it out. Right, exactly. Because, you know, this is a player from the top levels of the game. He's not old. Physically, you can see he's not old yet. Um, the, the speed of play is still there. He's not um, lost a step. So all of that stuff it looks promising, but it's also like, yeah, if you were the fire, you would want to have maybe had this be the preseason for them rather than game three, and they're still, you know, getting their first couple of uh, training sessions in. Yeah, is there anything else you want to talk about between the fire and DC United? Uh, you know, I, I will say that if, I'll say this, uh, since we normally do a, how do you, how do you game plan against the the right. other team um 
one thing I picked up on in this game was that Miguel Navarro, the left back, uh, seemed to just kind of let his focus go uh, on the ball several times in this game. Orlando wasn't really looking to high press. DC, we know at home, will be high pressing. Uh, so that's a spot that I would look for is whether that's Griffin Yao, uh, whether that's a 3-4-3, Griffin Yao and Julian Gressel pushing up on him, or whether they play some other formation. Um, don't be surprised if they try and get play funneled towards Navarro. I'm assuming he's going to continue starting. Jonathan Bornstein's still there. Um, that's the other player. Last year, it was really kind of every other game. Those two were switching back and forth. I think that's one thing Hendrickson's like, we got we have to have some stability in the lineup. It can't just be every week. It's a new lineup. Um, so I expect Navarro to start. Um, he is definitely the more physically able player. Uh, he is much faster than Bornson is at this point in his career. But he does kind of shut off at times. He gets the ball and he's like, well, I've got the ball. I don't have to really pay attention. It's like, no, this is the time to pay attention, buddy. Um, so don't be surprised if DC wants the ball out going towards him. And then once he gets the, once the ball's coming towards him, don't be surprised if they're flooding. Like that's a pretty obvious pressing trigger for me would be if the ball's coming to Navarro and he's not going to get, like, if you've got a moment to get a jump on him, absolutely put him under pressure. See if he loses his focus. Um, cause he's not bad he just doesn't pay attention at the right times um and that's the vulnerability there um other than that i will say that the new defender they've got um uh shikos i'm not i don't think i'm pronouncing his name correctly um but i did notice a couple times during the game that he was willing to carry the ball out of the back um he, he wasn't shut down by orlando and he just sort of brought it you know 30 40 yards up the field um, and stayed up there. Uh, it actually almost turned into a counter that Chicago looked pretty vulnerable on, but it wasn't his fault. It was what happened after he passed the ball off that all of a sudden exposed the risk he was taking. Um, so that's one to watch out for. The front three, or however Losada lines it up, maybe he switches to three five two. I don't know. Um, but the forwards, the attackers, they're going to have to keep track of that. Uh, you don't want to – sometimes DC likes to go man-on-man. Um for brief periods and if you've ever watched san jose this is one of the great ways to beat san jose is that san jose is going man marking all over the field the player that they're not going to mark that isn't a goalkeeper is the center back the 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 one forward isn't marking and usually that means that that center back can bring the ball 40 to 50 yards up the field without ever being confronted because no one can no one can abandon their man because it's a crazy man like and like like and in nahar yeah, exactly. Uh, except a little less effective um, because you don't have you're not having Andy Nahar do it. It's somebody else. Um, right. But you know, to to pay proper respect to this guy, um, uh, Sikos is from the Bundesliga. He's got long experience with um, FC Köln, so he's not he's not nobody. He's not one of the guys for San Jose. Um, he's pretty good. Um, he's definitely better than Francisco Calvo, the previous captain that he replaced to now plays for San Jose, of course. Um, of course. Which is incredible. But, yeah, I, I think that's the main thing I would look out for is um, DC is probably going to set pressing triggers based on Navarro's inattentiveness. Um, I also think Chicago is, I think, perfectly content to have a third straight 0-0 draw, which I don't know that anyone's ever yeah. done that to start a season. Um 
uh, that might be something for the MLS historians like but, Paul Carr to look up. Uh, has anybody ever? Doesn't Chicago doesn't Chicago have the the most draws, uh, just well, general draws record? The, I think Nashville tied them. I think oh, okay. Nashville and Chicago both have an eighteen draw season. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I don't believe Chicago ever had a three. Let, let's start a year with three straight scoreless draws. But right, I think yes. they'd be absolutely fine with that this weekend. So don't expect them to take take many risks. Lozada pointed this out in the 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 press conference earlier today, we're recording on Wednesday that the difference between how they played week one as a, as a road team versus how they played at home uh, against an Orlando team that was there playing for a draw. um, They were different. Um, And, you know, what I saw against Orlando was not super high risk, super aggressive. So I can only imagine, I haven't watched that week one game yet. I don't know if I'm going to have time between now and then, but I can only imagine no, that it was it. more conservative um, and right. thus more difficult to break down, more focused on let's not give this thing away. Um, so don't expect a big expansive display from Chicago. They're going to play on the counter. They're going to hope to find Shabilko, uh either, you know, longer services into the box or back to goal to feed Shakiri and see, you know, let's listen. We paid millions of dollars to this guy. Let's try and get in the ball and see what, see if he can make something happen. Um, which, if that sounds familiar, there is a little bit of DC with Wayne Rooney to the way Chicago wants to operate, where it's like, look, let's kind of set up uh, our whole team. We're going to set 10 guys up around this one guy, and maybe he can do something. Um, turns out, at that level, you often can. It's just a matter of, if you're DC you know, don't, don't give him room to breathe so that maybe one of the other guys for Chicago has to beat you. Maybe it's Gaston Jimenez getting on the ball more than uh, Shakiri, And you say, you know, I'll take that trade. If if Jimenez has 30 more touches than Shakiri, great. That's fine. Well, that's, I think where we're going to end it tonight. Um, Thank you for muddling through this episode without uh, the uh, hosting prowess of uh, Adam Taylor. Um, he'll be back eventually. I don't know. He's His house is uh, being dug into shambles, so who knows when he'll be back. Um, but we're here. Filibuster will always be here in some way, shape, or form. Um, so... Yeah, uh, you can find us at filibuster DCU at black and red U, black and red united.com, Jason DC soccer, Bromley soccer. Nobody cares where Adam is because he's not here. Um, yeah, this just, definitely isn't a thing we've done to Adam before. No, um, but yeah, just <laughs> listen to the podcast, uh, share the podcasts. We've been around a long time. We're the, 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 and we appreciate when you continue to share us, even though we've been around a long time, like every time we reach a new listener, it's just like a delightful new event. So we still love uh, uh, new listeners and new excitement and everything like that. So um, for Jason and myself and uh, uh, brushing Adam to the side, um, that's it. That's fellow bust. Say goodnight, Jason. Guar.